Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com, the podcast where we take you through all eight games from round 11. My name is Chris Kennedy. My co-host, Kenny Scott, will be joining us shortly. But for now, it's my very great pleasure to welcome from the Gold Coast Titans forward, Sam Stone. Sam, thank you for being here. No worries, mate. Happy to be here. Now, I guess just starting off with the, the game on the weekend, 30 points to 20. Good to uh, get a win, as always. Yeah, yeah, mate. It was good. Um, I thought the boys played well. Um, yeah, it was uh, good to get back in the winner's circle. We'd uh, been, you know, I think struggling a little bit with our um, defence, so it was good to get a win. Obviously, I mean, defence, like you said, there's there's been a few sort of, uh, a few too many points leaked over, um, you know, the past four to six rounds. It's obviously been, I would assume, a big focus at training of late. Yeah, yeah, mate, it has. And I think um, last week against Penrith, uh, we, we were a bit, um, a little bit off in the middle there, but I think... Uh, our middle was really good um, last night, and that uh, you know that really showed. About yourself, season today, I think it was your first um, first run with the boys in the top grade so far this year. So obviously, enjoying being back up uh, in the NRL squad. Yeah, mate, for sure. Um, it was good to be back um, back up in the top squad, and definitely good to get a win too. Obviously, um, you know, a strong pack this year. We've seen, you know, Fafita come across, Tino, Fasul Malawi come across, um, Herman SASA come up um, from your old club, the Knights as well. So uh, it's, you know, not, not an easy pack to break into at the moment. No, no, it's pretty tough, mate. Um, you know, they're all very quality players, so it's uh, hard to get a go. But, uh, you know, mate, my job's just to, when I do get called upon, to do my, do my best. So, you know, I'm ready whenever. How have you... Um, I mean, what, what's your season been like so far? What, has this sort of been any message from, from Justin about what he wants to see from you? Or is it more just around what you said, just being ready when, when there's a chance to go? Uh, he hasn't really said too much. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just staying ready. And, you know, if my job is to go back and play good footy at, at Burley in the Q Cup, then that, that's, what, that's what I'll go do. And then, you know, main, main focus is stay ready for the top grade when my opportunity comes and try and um, do my best while I'm there. What did you make of the actual uh, game itself? It was, you know, it was a tough one, a gritty one. You guys obviously um, you know, got there, pr- I think, pretty comfortably in the end, but the Dogs didn't make it easy for you. No, no, I don't, I don't think... Uh, like, the Dogs, I know, are not doing so so great this year, but one thing they um, always do is try real hard. There's no lack of effort there from the Dogs, and, you know, they, they make you earn earn your win. So, um, you know, they, they, they played well, and they always really, really try hard, so... It was definitely not given to us. Obviously, um, plenty of focus at the moment around the uh, the so-called crackdown. I think there was one sin bin for each side in this one. Uh, naps for them. Dylan Napa went to the sin bin, and then you guys, I think, Bo Furmore as well, uh, sat down for yeah. 10. Has that sort of been talked about at training, about, you know, just trying to make sure you, you stay clear of, um, you know, the, the referee's ire? Yeah, yeah, I guess we haven't really... Um... We've definitely spoken about it, but there's no bit, not been any focus on um, on it. I think it just comes down to individual discipline, you know, and just um, you know really concentrating really hard on you know good tackle selection and stuff like that. So I think it comes down to the individual. What about um? Yeah, like you said, back in the, the winner's circle, it's always, um, you know, it's where you want to be looking ahead to, um, to to next week. You guys take on the Sharkies, another team that's probably a bit like the Dogs, not doing quite as well this year as they'd, they'd want to. Um, Coffs Harbour, I think. Um, so a little bit of a, a country country town vibe to your, your game next week as well. Yeah, yeah, Coffs Harbour is a, a great town and uh, I'm excited if I get the opportunity to go play there. 
I think, you know, the crowd will get around it. And uh, the Sharks, you know, they might not be doing so great, but there's no easy games in the um, in the NRL, mate. So we'll just, uh, you got to be switched on every week. It's charitable of them to bring a home game up to your neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good, yeah. Um, have you played much um, at Coffs or around Coffs? Um, during school, yeah. During yeah. school sort of stuff, we'd always have um, uh, Northern Country sort of stuff up that way, Coffs Harbour and um, yeah, like Tyree sort of area. So, yeah, I played a little bit of school footy up there. Mm. Well, just talking about the um, the season, so this is your third year at the Titans, um, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. in terms of the time you've been there, this is – you know, you feel like this is probably close to the, the best five, the, the strongest team in those three years? Uh, yeah, I think it's been building since I've been here, yeah. um, especially since Justin's taken over. It's really been, um, you know, building towards uh, kind of where we're at now. And I think there's still plenty of improvement to come. But, um, yeah, definitely been building for a while. And I think, you know, the squad we've got now is good enough to really, you know, shake the competition up, I think. For sure. We've had one or two uh, Titans boys on the, the pod over the last year or so and pretty much unanimously everyone's got a lot of praise for, for Justin and not just, I mean, obviously you're not going to you know bag the coach, but just around sort of how sort of level-headed and, and pragmatic he is and just his approach sort of seems to be focused towards getting the best out of players. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, um, he tries to make it fun too, which is always good. You know, it um, is nothing worse and you know, going into train with a stressed out coach that's, you know, making it really difficult. So he's um tries to make it fun and keeps it pretty lighthearted. And you know, I think it really um yeah, it takes the pressure off a little bit on game day and yeah um and just it, it gets the best footy out here. Well, speaking of training, what's it been like this year with guys like Fafida and Fossil Malawi coming in? I imagine that you know they'd be you know, just as dangerous at training as they are on the field. And you can probably sort of feel, I guess, that the standards lift a little bit around those sort of opposed sessions. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're, they're obviously great players and they've um, brought the standards up and it's kind of sink or swim a little bit. You either got to lift your standards to go with them or, you know, you'll be um, left behind. So I think it's really lifted the the level of um, all the players, you know, all the way through the whole squad. And, um, you know, it's just really brought the, uh, brought the standards high. How do the guys go trying to bring down Big David Fafita at the the scrimmages? Right, it's it's always tough. <laughs> you gotta you gotta tackle him together. If you tackle him one on one, he'll beat twelve of you at once. Um, just looking ahead to the, the next couple of weeks, obviously Origins coming up. There's a few guys who we reckon are going to be involved for Fafita and Tino. Uh, among them, have you guys kind of spoken about how you're going to um, cover for for a few absences? No, we haven't really spoken about it too much yet, but uh, I'm expecting them to. Uh, to be playing and I think they should be. They're um, obviously doing really good for us this year and I think they should be should be in there in the Queensland team and then made out we got we got a good deep squad so whoever whoever comes in I'm sure will do a good job. I mean, between obviously yourself coming up, we've seen Sam McIntyre get a, a few chances of late. You know, both firm will come in after obviously got a taste last year and then wasn't in the, the top side to start the year. So we're seeing, you know, like you're saying, the guys that come in are able to do a good job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think like it, it probably all comes back to our, our training, you know, and the standards of training during the preseason. And, you know, I think I think there's, you know, anyone you can call upon and you'll have faith that they're gonna, you know, do a good job. Just on, you know, yourself for the, the rest of the season, um, origin period, like I just touched on, I think um, you know, 
Peach has got a, another week out. Herman's got a, a couple of weeks out. So a bit, of, I guess, a chance for you to sort of maybe stake a bit of a claim over the next few weeks and show Justin what you can do. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to think so. Um, obviously, it's all Justin's choice, and you know, I'm I'm happy to play whatever role I need to play. But um, you know, I'll just focus on playing good footy wherever that may be, and I think the rest will sort itself out. Well, mate, um, Titans been one of the real uh, pleasurable teams to, to watch this year. You guys are, are going well. Massive thanks for uh, joining us on the Sunday Session podcast. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Now dialing in my regular co-host, Kenny Scott, to talk through the rest of the weekend. Kenny, thank you for being here as always. Once again, thank you so much, CK. Let's get into it. All right, so as we sit here, we've just seen the end of the Eels and Seagulls clash, a feisty, fiery affair at Bankwest Stadium that ended up being a little bit one-sided in the end as both of our salivating Sunday offerings were um, 28 points to six, the, the Seagulls in the end, and Eels just didn't really have a lot of answers. Yeah, I think the, the end result, like 28 to six, probably says the Manly were in control for the whole game, which I suppose is correct, but it really felt like it was pretty tight for most of the game. Like it, it felt like a big game. It felt like it was high stakes, which is, which is really good. Uh, like a lots of fun. Um, but yeah, you're right. Manly just sort of had their number for the whole thing, which I found really surprising because like we've seen what Parramatta have done this year. They're a, like, they're a good team. They're one of the good teams. When you talk about the top teams they are usually in there. Um, and sure, Manly have like, they're on the rise. They've certainly come, a long way from where they started the season, but this was um, Parramatta just, just didn't have it. They just didn't have, they just couldn't match it. It was quite surprising. And I felt it was all down to their, um, their attacking options were just odd. I felt like kind of panicky when they didn't need to be like, there was just some weird, when they got in Manly's red zone, like say within like 15 or 20 meters, their attacking options were just like, yeah, just weird, like stuff that just wasn't on, like weird grubbers to no one or kicks that didn't that the rest of the team didn't know were happening and like wide passes out to the wing that weren't quite on point and um, some things that weren't really what Parramatta have been known for this year. Uh, so um, yeah, I think Brad Arthur will probably be quite disappointed with what he saw, but Manly, geez, they're a team on there. They're doing great things, aren't they? Well, since Travojevic, Tom Travojevic, that is, has been back, they've lost to no one other than Penrith. And even that was probably more competitive than most sides have been against Penrith this year. I think six out of seven, they've won now. Um, Yeah, super competitive and and pretty much dominating teams, really, and and obviously far too good for the Eels today. I think we almost have to talk about them form-wise or, you know, quote-unquote power rankings-wise as being in the the best Mm -hmm. four teams in the comp. I mean, given the way that, and we're about to talk about South, the way they've capitulated twice in the past three weeks, and Roosters, who will also talk about going down to Brisbane, and then obviously Para um, today, Manly, almost the on form, the next best team in the comp after the, the top two, which is obviously Panthers and Melbourne. That is, yeah. I mean, when you say that, saying out loud, your reasoning checks out. I, I agree with your argument. I'm still like dumbfounded by the conclusion, though. Like, I, I had them, <laughs> I, I, like, like most Tigers fans, I, I was, you know, looking at that trial game, um, Manly versus Tigers, where the Tigers tied them up by 56 points. And I'm like, well, Manly are in huge trouble. Yeah. Um, I had them right down, wooden, like wooden spooners, like fighting out for the wooden spoon. After the first two games, I was like, yeah, that's definitely, that's exactly how this is going to roll. And then, yeah, they've just they've what to say they've come good and they're doing they're doing amazing things. So there you go. It shows that uh, you can you can turn it around, can't you? Um, Eels, like you say, some really uh, frantic options, sort of some a few hail marys. Not really sort of they've been quite good this year at building the pressure and you know earning the right, as they like to say in rugby league parlance, and um, didn't really seem to want to earn the right um, today with the, the tough stuff in the middle before trying to 
go around the outside and just came back and um, hurt them. Obviously, you know, huge news um, today, this morning with um, Manly club legend and rugby league immortal Bob Fulton uh, passing at the age of uh, 74. So uh, like everyone else, our condolences and well wishes to his, his family, a, a true, you know, superstar of the, the game, one of the, the all-time greats. Um, and, you know, sometimes we've seen, teams not necessarily handle things well when they have a, a big emotional event, but um, Manly, I, I guess, you know, it almost sounds like a cliche already, but they, they did it for Bozo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's already been some pretty good examples of teams not, not, not turning up for the occasion this year. And you're right. Cause this one was, it was, um, it was un, unforeseen. It, it was sudden. And I th- I'm pretty sure it actually happened earlier today. So it was it's like breaking news and that sort of stuff. I, I, I would um, I lean towards the, the opinion that that would have a negative effect on the team, especially when it's such a, a large personality um, within a club like like Bozo was for Manly. Um, but yeah, like like you know, Manly are obviously a really really good team, and they can use that sort of stuff as, as inspiration. And and they did; they were great. It was a it was a real a real team effort. They did very well. So I guess question marks now for, for Parramatta. Can they bounce back like they did last time? They were humbled at home by the Dragons. Uh, what was that, five or six weeks ago? I guess time will tell. But moving on to the earlier Sunday game, um, NRL headed out to uh, Dubbo in country New South Wales, a Rabbitohs home game, the return of Latrell Mitchell. But, you know, absolutely nothing can stop this Penrith juggernaut at the moment. The, the Nathan Cleary show rolls on one of the all-time dominant club performances uh, last week against the Titans in Magic Round and almost as good again um, on Sunday of, of Round 11. This this Penrith team just look absolutely streets ahead of everyone at the moment. I I, I have no idea what anybody is supposed to do to to try and beat Pen, like Penrith, 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 Penrith. Because <laughs> they're, like, they're just, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many more adjectives we can use but they're just a they're such a such a good team that they didn't look like anybody's going to get anywhere near them the only thing i was thinking about it during this game the only way anybody stands a chance of, of getting close to them is has to be um luck with sin bins for the opposing team because i don't think penrith had actually had to deal with much adversity around around um dis, uh, around number advantages or disadvantages there's no Simbins in this game, if I remember correctly. But there's definitely no Simbins for Penrith. Um, no, and I think that's game. probably the only thing that's going to pull them back to the pack. Um, it, yeah, so I think that's the only thing that, that if, uh, well, if you know, taking out injuries and things like that, that's the only way anyone's going to get close to them is if you know, during some crazy period of a game, they have um, a whole a run of, of high tackles and lose one or two players at the same time um, into the bin. And then that maybe another team might stand a chance. But just looking at this game... That it was like tries, you know, tries at will. Really, it was. It was. I, I was surprised it stopped at fifty six because it, it was a pretty good chance towards the end it was going to get uh, they were going to crack the sixty, which would have just been pure humiliation for South. Mm. Um, what, yeah, what else can you say? They are just an unstoppable machine at the moment. What about South? We saw a, a fortnight ago they conceded 50 against Melbourne and I know you know Wayne Bennett wasn't using excuses but as us as you know people who talk about the game there were excuses for South had a lot of players missing um they got Latrell back they got Reynolds back they got Campbell Graham back they're pretty much full strength other than uh Cam Murray and and having one forward out shouldn't be the difference between being a good team and a bad team and they um you know, just absolutely humbled um, twice in the space of three weeks. I don't think the stat everyone knows is that no team's ever won the comp after conceding 50. They've now done it twice in the space of, of three games, the second time close to full strength. I mean, can we 
can we put a line through South or are they, you know, just going through a rough <laughs> trot and the super coach Wayne Bennett's going to uh, get them back on track for the, the right time of the year? Well, I, I do. I, I mean, everyone loves to, to trot out that, that 50 point stat. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it puts a line through them. If, if anything, it, it, it probably highlights to the team that they have a whole lot of more work to do. And that could be used as a positive thing to, to improve from here because you look at their squad, they've got a, a fantastic squad. They've got a top four squad. Um, you know, many would say a premiership squad and they're right, you know, smack bang in the middle of a premiership window. So two fifty point losses, I guess all that does is expose the cracks um, and it's going to have to give them motivation to work, to work on them. I don't think, you know, conceding 50 points in isolation means you're not a premiership team anymore. They've got the, they've got the right players and they've definitely got the right coach to, to turn it around. Interesting to see how that all plays out. The uh, third of the Saturday games, the Roosters and the Broncos, one of the real upsets of the season so far. Uh, Brisbane, 34 points to 16 over the Roosters. Didn't just beat them, but smashed them in the end. Um, I know Roosters not exactly full strength. It was a, a fiery affair, even more so than the, the Paramanda game. They had four sin bins with uh, Victor Radley on report four times and sin bin twice in the, the one game. Um, obviously repercussions, uh, which we might talk about later for the origin side with Radley and Angus Crichton, both uh, likely unavailable with the charges that have since come out. But just in terms of the game itself, um, Brisbane, I mean, this, this has got to be their best performance since 2019. I guess the question for fans is where's this form been? Yeah, it, it was an inspiring game for Broncos fans. We've been saying all year, you know, the Broncos can't, they can't deal with adversity. They're too immature that, you know, when things aren't going their way, they drop their heads, but they had adversity in this game. Like there was a time when they had a, a they let a 10 nil lead slip and the Broncos of, I don't know, last week or the week before would have, you know, packed it in, chucked the toys out of the cotton and let the roosters go on with the game. But they managed to, to hold on, get ahead and then win with this by a significant margin. So congratulations to them. It shows growth. And that's, that's what you want to see when your team's, down in the dumps, having a bad season, a rebuild year, whatever you want to call it. If you can see positive signs and you can see a progress, then that that's that's what you want from a, from, um, a fan base um, as a fan. And that's exactly what they delivered. So well done. I had to do it against quality opposition. This wasn't, and no disrespect to, you know, this wasn't against the Tigers, for example. This was against the Roosters, like the one of the benchmarks of the competition. And yeah, they've got, they've got injuries like everybody else. But um, yeah, a great morale boosting win for them. So hopefully they can use it and kick on. Um, Roosters, I mean, this is probably the first time um, Sam Walker's really sort of been targeted effectively by uh, an opposition team. We've seen uh, probably Melbourne uh, did it a bit uh, a few weeks ago. Sharks tried to do it. I think it was his second game and then um, he, he came over the top of them. But um, yeah, Tavita Pangai just put a, a huge target on um, on young Sam Walker. Um, Radley tried to, uh, to to get square and obviously fade himself in the, the bin for a, a high shot. But um maybe a bit of a blueprint for teams going forward? Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, what target, target what you think is the weakest link and then either that, you know, that person will, will have those defensive lapses that go with the, this, this, their physical stature or the enforcer next to them will not quite get those tackle, tackles right uh, and, you know, go off to the, to the bin for a couple of spells, which is exactly what happened. Um, I think there's probably, there's, there seem to be a lot of, uh, I don't know, outrage, but there was a lot of opinion, I suppose, around where the game's, the direction the game is headed and how that affects people like Victor Radley because, you know, a year and a half ago, Victor Radley was held up as the, this, this is how you defend and what a great hard hitting, what a great tackler is, and et cetera, et cetera. And now he seems to almost be an outlaw and a, a player that the game may have passed by. Um, so, yeah, a lot of divided opinion on that. I think he just, he just needs to 
work on his tackling style, obviously. But um, I think the physicality, uh, his phys- physicality, will still be still be an asset for him. Yeah, I keep flip flopping on all this sort of um, stuff. I mean, I 100% agree that we need to, you know, get head high contact out of the game. I, you know it's just such a tough one question marks over what happens to the enforcer I mean you can still be an enforcer and not hit blokes in the head and I think that's sort of where we've got to get to uh, mm. as a sport probably been a few overzealous sin bins again but um, hopefully we get the, the balance right uh, as the weeks move on um, I did skip past the the third Saturday game I got the draw wrong sorry I flip-flopped those last two games but the Raiders 10 points uh, up against the Storm 34 points uh, down in the nation's capital Um, Storm missing an absolute bevy of superstars millions of dollars of salary cap sidelined Um, you know Nico Hines at you know just absolutely sensational and you know guys that are absolutely unheralded like you know chris lewis playing in the unfamiliar position of 5-8 aaron booth coming in for his second nrl game um as a as a bench hooker um i know raiders are missing a lot of players themselves you know white and papali'i hodgson rupp and a croaker these sort of guys but storm um uh, missing just as many if not more so and just never miss a beat i'll tell you what a, a cold Saturday night in Canberra would usually get you the edge over most teams, but you just it just won't do it for Melbourne Storm. One, because they're an amazing team, but two, cold Saturday nights, come on. They have, they have cold Saturday nights for breakfast. Um, but yeah, you're right. Both both teams missing troops, but but Melbourne missing... I mean, Melbourne were missing their, their, their spine, right? Like they're missing their halves, their halves pairing, starting hooker, fullback. That means you should be able to take that team and throw them in the trash. Like they're not going to do much. They're just going to struggle. But they, you know, like like you mentioned, these guys are just they, they get guys guys are just running off the bus and get into the sheds and chuck a jersey on, and suddenly are amazing because that's the way that's the way Melbourne plays. It's you know, it's, it's no surprise that they've managed to they've, they've got these guys waiting in the wings that, that can do the job. And I mean, that's what Melbourne's all about, right? Get in and do the job, and and that's what they did. I think for for poor old Canberra, life just doesn't get any easier, right? Like once again, it, it, this wasn't like a, a complete. You know, this wasn't losing a twenty-point lead and um, like you know, completely capitulating in the second half. But you know, they were it was 10, 10 nil for a good yeah. a, a good portion of the first half, and then it goes to ten six, and then they lose the lead going in twelve ten at half time, and then after that, don't score another point. These second halves, they're just they're just they're just not handling them well, and it's 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 really quite striking because um, that you know, Canberra are known they've got they've got that Ricky Stewart toughness, grit, whatever you want to call it, and they just. I mean, they have it in the first half, most first halves, and they haven't got it in second halves, and it's um, it's really quite alarming. Yeah, I mean, Ricky Stewart certainly had no answers post-game, and if he had any, he wasn't in the mood to uh, give them away in the press conference. I think 114 seconds it was clocked in at, and I'm not sure he had an answer that went over four or five uh, words. So uh, no insights for fans if you're hoping for any from the coach. Um, Moving ahead to the earlier Saturday game, which was the Titans and the Bulldogs, 30 points to 20 for the home side up on the Gold Coast. Um, It was a win they desperately needed, the Titans, but um, letting in 20 points, that might have been the most points the Bulldogs have scored in a game this year, I think. So um, the defence remains an issue. Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this this was two points for the Titans. Congratulations to them. But, you know, not really deserving two points, right? Like it says, if, if the Titans want to be taken seriously... You can't you can't let I mean you can't let any team score twenty points against you, but you can't let the Bulldogs score twenty points against you. Who are known, you know, they're a team that took them three games to score six points at one stage this year. Like they're in a really bad way, and they've shown improvement. Uh, but I think it just shows that the Titans aren't 
defense is not their strong point and they can't defend a win. Um, they can just score more points than the opposition. And yes, that is, I mean, you need to do that if you want to win, but um, you know, trotting out a trope and a cliche, they're not afraid to win. They're afraid to win ugly at all, whatever, whatever you want to say. It just seems that um, they need to start working on their defense and put a bit more, um, a bit more effort into that area of their game. If they want to really do things this year. Um, but I did think the Bulldogs, like, you know, it's a, a, a courageous loss yet again. Like, again, the effort's there. I think the Bulldogs have a really good attitude. They just um, – and they've got skill and they've got all those sort of things. They just haven't got it for a full game. They will at some point um, this year, and hopefully they'll be able to do it more often next year as well. Um, I mean, because, yeah, they, they scored 20 points. And like you said, what was said before, it's, it's been tough for them to score points this year. Um, but they let the Titans score 30 points. So, um, of course, they didn't win the game. But, yeah, I think the Titans, they've got some work to do. They've got some work to do on their defence. Yeah, I'm uh, glad we let Sam Stone go before that robust feedback from 1K Scott. Um, but he obviously mm-hmm. mentioned that um, defence was an issue, but he, he did also say, um, like you just touched on, that uh, the, the Dogs are not a team that you ever feel isn't trying. And even though they're going through a, a tough spot, they, they are, a, you know execution has been a big problem and sort of skill in terms of finishing sets has been a huge problem, but effort hasn't really been their issue. So I guess, you know, that's, that's probably the key foundation. They just need to find a lot more polish to end their sets. Cause once again, I found it was really left wanting in terms of applying some, um, some pressure and, and finishing sets. Well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And they, they had some, um, the, the tries that they scored were, 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 were good tries, but they weren't, yeah, like I said, they weren't built off pressure. Um, and so, and, and that's, that's one of the key things about, you know, about grinding out wins and that sort of stuff. So obviously something for them to work on. The Sharks and the Dragons, just the second golden point game of the season. Uh, hasn't been too many close finishes at all this year, but um, they went to uh, to golden point, 13 points to 12. Uh, it finished up, obviously, a, uh, a late field goal there from Chad Townsend. He uh, pretty much right in front, but he drilled it in the end and um, just thrust the arms to the sky in, in celebration. You can tell <laughs> they've been doing it a, a little bit tough through the uh, the recent losing run, Cronulla, and this, uh, this win would have uh, been a huge relief to a lot of them. Yeah, I, it was an exciting game. So, I mean, a, a question for you. If a game ends in thrilling circumstances, does that make it a good game or does it just make it a good end to what was a pretty bad game? I'm going to have to lean towards the second option of those two. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I'd say this was a, I mean, <laughs> this was a, uh, a pretty boring movie with a thrilling car chase at the end. I don't know what other kind of like metaphor we can slap on it, but it was, it was a poor game from both teams, I would say. Yeah. Um, definitely not, not one for the highlight reel. <laughs> Didn't reach any great heights, I don't think. It was, of all the games this year, it probably wasn't the one that deserved Golden Point as much as um, <laughs> some others. But um, it's still a thrilling finish nonetheless. I had to feel for the Dragons. They put so much um, so much work into this one. Uh, no luck at all with injuries. They, they're really, really short-staffed, partly due to their own sort of, uh, you know, fault getting... a. a was it three, four players suspended uh, last week? A lot of injuries as well. They really missed Matt Dufty and then uh, Cody Ramsey getting uh, cleaned up just before half time and and not being able to to finish the game either. So plenty of duress there for the um, the Red V and still almost came away with the two points. Yes, they almost came away with the two points, but they didn't. And like when they had you know some pointed feedback for them, they had three perfect opportunities to to take that to win that game in regular in regulation time. And, and they just didn't take them. So a couple of fluff field goals, which I felt were pretty gettable. And then 
um, right towards the end, uh, kicking on the fifth and like kicking for the try on the fifth instead of going for for the field goal again when it was probably the prime time to do it. Um, and then, especially after the the Sharks set them up by um, dropping the ball off a scrum feed with what thirty seconds to go or something like that. Yeah. That's the, that's it. The game's there for you, and they failed to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, no one to. It wasn't the best game, but you know what? Chad Townsend, the Ice Man, when the when the, when he was in the right position, he knew what he had to do and knocks it over. Yeah, uh, well done to the Sharkies on that drought-breaking win. The earlier um, Friday game, Warriors thirty points to twenty-six over the West Tigers. I I know that you would have been disappointed with the result, but I found this one of the more enjoyable games of the weekend, just in terms of some expansive footy and some some high-class moments of individual skill, and obviously a you know pretty close finish. Um, from from what we've seen of late as well. Yeah, this was this was genuinely like a thrilling game. It had you know spectacular tries. It had great defensive moments as well. It came right down to the wire. So well done to both teams for an entertaining start to the weekend. Um, how about Reese Walsh? Right, he's just yeah. he he had just a, a brilliant game, and we've we've seen him since his debut a couple of weeks ago. Um, and people have talked him up, and I hadn't really seen. I mean, he's a good player, but I hadn't really seen just how good a player he is and potentially could be. And that game on Friday really showed it to me. He's like, he is a superstar in the making. He was just his, his um, passing game, his defensive game as well. Like everything, he just brings this, you know, this beautiful, youthful exuberance to the team. Um, and I, I did think it was a poor move, putting him at fullback and pushing Roger to the wing. Um, but shows why I'm not a coach, right? Because it turned out it, it worked really well. He's he's a you got to get him in in wherever he can get his hands on the ball. So uh, yeah. yeah, what a great player! It's a really interesting one. I've seen a few. I've seen a heap of different opinions really on how you get Walsh into the the starting team. I think leaving him on the bench for 50 minutes, we've now all sort of agreed is not the way to go. Um, do you move him to fullback and Roger Tuabasa check to the wing? I still don't think that's probably the way to go, even though Roger, um, they tried it once before. I think it might have been Walsh's second game and um, Roger was really quiet and it didn't go that well for them. And I thought this is not the way to do it. I thought Roger was a lot better on the wing this game than he was in that other one, but I'm still not sure this is the answer. I've heard, you know, Walsh starts at halfback and Harris Tavita goes to the bench. I've heard Walsh starts with Harris Tavita and Nicarima goes to hooker or to the bench or all sorts of different sort of permutations. I, I honestly don't know what the best one is other than that Walsh needs to be in the starting side. Um, his passing, I mean, you touched on before, him and Sam Walker, I mean, they're, they're both at Brisbane together. They've played junior origin for Queensland together. So there's plenty of parallels other than they're both sensationally talented teenagers who are having breakout rookie seasons at the same time. But yeah, we've seen talented teenagers come in plenty of times and oftentimes they've got you know blinding speed or a huge step or an evasive running game but it's pretty rare to find 18 year olds with such a highly developed passing game as, as these two and some of the long balls that the vision on the cutouts that we've seen from both of them has just been really 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 special yeah it, it's that they're 18 years old this guy is 18 years old and already so beautifully developed um as a playmaker it's uh, it's, it's a great thing to see. It just means that he's, you know, the growth that both of both of them will go on um, means that we'll get some pretty great football out of them um, over the years. So good things are on the horizon. Unfortunately for the Tigers, though, uh, it was yet another heartbreaking loss and another uh, another opportunity for them to win two in a row for the first time in a long time, and they fell just short. So um, yeah, from a fan's point of view, it, again, it was a fun game to watch, but it was hard to take because the Tigers have this this 
wonderful ability to make you to give you hope and then to take it away from you right at the last second so um yeah yeah I mean, I think I said, it might have been on our preview podcast through the week that the reason I was tipping the Warriors was just because I don't trust the Tigers to play well two weeks in a row, as good as Mm. they were last week. I don't have to tell you, but capable of of big up downs (laughs) as much as as big highs and upset wins. And that sort of continues to be their problem. You know, this time last week, Madge was a genius for the controversial moves of Dewey out to the centres and Embi into the halves. I actually thought Embi probably had an even better game this week than he did last week. I don't mind him at, at six. And uh, they do need to work out how to get Dewey, you know, as involved as, as absolutely possible. And not that he was bad this week um, either. He he's, continues to be probably their, their player of the year. But um, yeah, it's still a, a bit of a, a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't quite fit together perfectly. It's, it's not the, I, I don't think any of the attack has a huge problem. It's, it was, it's the, it's the defense, like edge defense for the Tigers is, is always an issue. It always has been an issue. It doesn't really matter who's in there, but that's just somewhere they really need to tighten up because, um, you know, they managed to score 24 points. Um, that's, you know, pretty good. They just all, they just let in 30. So mm. um, really got to work on the defense. I think I, I don't mind the current setup, like, you know, the M by Brooks, Halves pairing with um, Dewey in the centers. I think I think that's working quite well. There's just some, some stuff on the wing just needs to be fixed up a little bit. We've still got like Tommy Talao still still a work in progress. I, I, we had um, Kapoa's out for the rest of the season now, and he was sort of a work in progress as well. Um, yeah, there's just, just a couple more pieces of the puzzle yet to slot in. I think. Yeah, not a bad way to put it. Anyway, the um, first game of the round, the Cowboys 36 points to 20 uh, winners over the Knights at home up there in Townsville. Um, some really good stuff from the Cowboys uh, of late, but um, Knights just, yeah, that was that was a really disappointing night for their fans. Hey, that, that's not fair because the Knights were a really good team when they had two more players on the field. <laughs> Hot take. Thank you very much. Just yeah, it, it, it's out. a shame, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a real shame because, I mean, I said last week, I, I think the Knights are probably the bit, more, for me, the most disappointing team of the year. They've got, um, the year so far anyway, they've had, they've got a much better roster than, than their position um, on the ladder and their results are showing. And this was a perfectly winnable game for them. Uh, and they really just, they had, they had nothing. So when they had a, a, a two-man advantage, yeah, they, they managed to get the game back, um, you know, to, on even footing. But then as soon as the Cowboys, as soon as it became even again, the Cowboys just, just ran away. It was, I honestly don't know what they're supposed to do. Yes, they've got, they had no Ponger and they've still got Pierce out, probably their two biggest players, but, the guys that are, that are on the field at the moment are, are, should be doing better than what, than what we're seeing. So um, I'm not sure how much longer Adam O'Brien can, can keep fan discontent um, uh, away because surely, surely the, the, the cries are getting louder for him to do something with this team. Yeah. I just, I'm not sure what he can do. It's, I mean, they're not, they're just not a Melbourne storm that has this deep, roster that you know and i mean all clubs should be all clubs should develop better all, sh- all clubs should manage their their extended squad better or you know melbourne should be the model for all clubs but i just i don't see the cattle elsewhere in that night's system to be replacing these guys and you know i see people saying you know kurt Mann's had a couple of stinkers he should be dropped he was almost their best player for eight or ten rounds this year and, and one of their best last year he's just having a bit of a, a form slump i mean they're badly missing some direction in the halves and Mitchell Pierce is just going to take as long as he takes, and they, you know, Pong is going to be back mm. soon, but he's not going to fix all their problems. And you know, they 
haven't had Heimel, Hunter, Edric Lee pretty much all year. It's a lot of outs sort of concentrated in in the back line. And it's a back line that, you know, with respect, wasn't amongst the strongest, um, certainly depth-wise in the comp, even to start with. So um, it might just be a case of, you know, Grin and Barrett. The, the pack's still amazing. They, they probably need a little bit more out of their pack. But I thought, you know, Dan Sofidi was strong in this game. I think Clem has probably been pretty consistently good all year, even if this wasn't his strongest game. And, you know, Braley's been mm. consistent. Um, I think Fitzgibbon back pushing Barnett into the middle rotation is probably um, a, a bit of an advantage as well. It's just, you know, a huge number of outs in that back seven that they, they can't really conjure a miracle from. Um, fair enough. Well, what about the Cowboys then? Do you see them like they were pretty poor to start the season and, they, and they've had a pretty good run of late. Do you see them um, capable of jagging a, a place in, in, the, in the top eight? We're at the moment, they're 10th. Yeah. Um, I mean, this win pushed them into equal the top seven, eight. Actually. Yeah. So yeah. They, they, they finished this game in the top eight. Um, and then, you know, obviously wins throughout the rest of the round, slip them out on, on for and against. But they, uh, you know, a little bit like Manly, but not as much, just absolutely diabolical the first month. And then Manly sort of been boosted by Turbo coming back. Cowboys have just, I think, all started to buy in a bit to um, what Todd Payton's trying to do, who I still really rate as a, um, you know, one of the best young coaches in the game. They've had a, a couple of, you know, Tom Gilbert missed most of the year. He was back and I thought he was good um you know seeing the development in Murray Talungi through the season he was an absolute beast mm. in this game a hat trick easily the best game of his young career um he debuted the young back rower Hill and Lukey who crashed over for a try which is another one of my yeah. you know, real great rugby league moments of the year the the young lad was almost in tears he, he messed <laughs> he crashes over and his teammates swarm he tried to celebrate <laughs> by hoofing the ball and he slipped over and then he was almost in tears <laughs> post game talking to Thurston so yeah he was another one with that huge sort of 40 50 person support crew up there so um yeah really fantastic moment for him and just a few yeah. I still don't think their roster is good enough to really trouble the top teams but I definitely think between what they've got there at the moment, the form that, you know, Drinkwater and Val Holmes are putting in, the, the forwards are starting to pitch in a bit more. And then, you know, the, the discipline of Todd Payton, I think they're good enough to scrape into the eight. Whether they will or not, I'm not sure. I can't see them, probably can't see them getting to the top six, but, but seventh or eighth, I don't think mm. is completely beyond them this year. Yeah, and I think that's a really great story for a couple of reasons. One, I, you know, as you were saying, Todd Payton, I think Todd Payton a, has, a, has the potential to have a really great coaching career and I would not like it for... It'd be a real shame if his first full his first yeah full time appointment um, was with a team that just wasn't capable was you know going through a complete rebuild and that's not the case. He just had a little couple of you know like anytime a new coach comes in you got to squeeze out the players that aren't buying into the plan or trusting the process and, and take a bit of time to to get everybody else on board. It seems like he's done that, but also because um, you know we've had a, it's been a lean year. Last year was a very lean year for Queensland teams and none of them. I mean the Titans were okay, I suppose, but the Cowboys and the Broncos definitely didn't show like they had any signs of improving them. And it's really good to see the Cowboys especially show that they have like they're, they're you know, they've probably bottomed out and they're at the beginning of an upswing. That upswing might take to take longer, might take long, might not be immediate, but it's definitely happening. And I think that's um it's good for Queensland, but it's also good for the game because you want competitive competitiveness all over the um all over the map. Good insights there. It's uh, all late games. Thanks again to uh, Sam Stone uh, from the Titans for joining us at the top of the podcast. Thank you, as always, uh, Kenny, for your insights. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back uh, next Sunday to wrap up round 12.